You're listening to Questionable Material with Jack and Brian, a mostly improvised podcast produced in New York by Jack Helmuth and Brian Sack. QMPodcast.com. Hi, Brian. Hi, Jack. What is on your mind these days, Brian? What is sort of consuming uh, your thoughts there in the Brian verse? Hmm. What am I thinking about? Well, would like to sell the house my friend and I built. Yep. So Brian, uh, somewhere in Long Island, uh, built uh, sort of an investment house uh, out in a nice part of Long Island. And how long has it been on the market for, friend? A few months. I thought it was more than a few months. We tried, well, we we were going to list it last fall, but it, it, since it's a summer home, we decided we pulled it after like a month and relisted it in the spring. Okay. So the, you're, you're thinking about, I know, um, about sort of changing the listing to make yeah. it, um, to make it seem a little bit more, uh, to make it pop, as you like to say, to make it, um, you know, make it more appealing to families, uh, on some sites and then to, you know, maybe sort of like, you know, uh, Wall Street bachelors who want to have like sex pads in Long Island. Yeah. So like, you know, how are you sort of like changing the listings uh, of the house? Well, for the Wall Street guys, uh, what I did was uh, we declared the, 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 the lot, which is about a, maybe a third of an acre mm-hmm. uh, to be uh, the independent Republic of Brianistan. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, in, in, in that particular country within Long Island, uh, prostitution is legal. Okay, good. Drugs are legal. Great. And uh, you can make as much noise as you want. <laughs> so we're kind of going for like a party house kind of thing. Yeah. For some Wall Street dude. Well, now, what about the people, you know, 500 feet away who live in uh, America, Stan, and you know, who have to follow different rules? Well, until we have uh, treaties with them, uh, <laughs> we don't really acknowledge them. I see. There's actually, you know, the, in the downstairs is the headquarters of the Brian nations, Mm -hmm. (laughs) which is just Brianistan. So unless you join them, uh, you are not going to, to be considered a a country, (sighs) but you know, you can join uh, the Brian nations. Uh, There's just a little fee. Oh, okay. Well, that's sort of like a country club or whatever. What is it like, you know, $250 plus uh, maintenance fees or whatever. No. Like ballpark? I'd say two million gets you in the door. <laughs> oh my God. It should get you the whole door. I mean, I'll I'll throw in a door. We've got an extra door. <laughs> I, I bet you do. Well, that well, that might be the problem with the house right there. Did you did you remember to are, are there areas that you forgot to maybe um spruce up and uh, properly furnish? Well, you know, you you learn things. So like you know, I went all out with the hardwood floors. Mm-hmm. So we didn't have enough money for windows. <laughs> okay. But you know, you have the hole. Right. The window hole. Yeah. We have window holes all over the place. It's just, you know, we're, we're kind of low on cash. And so you don't have the, the glass stuff and the screen things yet. Right. 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 And do you still pay like local teens to, um, to kill seagulls inside? Yeah, we do have, we have, well, it's more, it's just, it's Vincent and his twin brother. <laughs> And they're, they, we call them the seagull twins. And he's basically got a two by four 
it's a 12 foot two by four with some nails at the driven through the end. And that's how he gets them. Cause they get up there in the rafters and they'll rest on the ceiling fan, stuff like that. So the, you know, the downside is he's done a little bit of damage. <laughs> I would imagine. I mean, it's like, also to the, I mean, it's like a seagull Holocaust inside that house. There's, yeah, you know, and those freaking things, they bleed like crazy when they're not pooping. So it's just like, so yeah, the, you know, we've got, we've got some seagull staining uh, on the ceilings and the rafters, uh-huh. um, you know, on the catwalk. Uh-huh. Now, which was a stupid idea. Yeah, it's okay. We, again, you learn. Yeah. Don't go hard on yourself. Why, you know, I, I thought a catwalk would be kind of like a cute little whimsical thing. Yeah. But it's, you know, it's just, the, I mean, it goes through the house <laughs> and then down to the street and, and all the neighborhood cats just come and walking through it. <laughs> and at first I was like, Oh, this is cute. You'd be sitting there having dinner and a little parade of cats going by and, you know, up, up across yeah. the catwalk, uh, high up in the ceiling there. And, uh, but yeah, they, they, they fight. They go after the seagulls. Yeah, I was going to ask. They have fleas, and so it's it's not ideal. So what do you, what are you doing to solve the cat problem? Uh, well, initially, I I, I kind of covered the catwalk in sand mm-hmm, mm-hmm. to try to discourage them. Yep, but they just treat it like a litter box now. <laughs> So when someone gets a tour, there's sort of, it's like raining seagull blood and cat feces. Yeah. I don't know, man. I, I mean, I think it's, it's the number one comment we get from the realtors. <laughs> it was beginning to make a little more sense why it's, this property hasn't moved. They love the location of the house. It's near, it's got access to a public beach. Uh, you know, it, it's night. We did some nice cedar shake shingles on the out, outside, but yeah, the, the the pigeons or the the seagulls and the and the cats are yeah that's the that's what they they leave with yeah you know that's what sticks with them like oh you know, the agent will say oh they're gonna make an offer but they they decided not to and I'm like I'll be like okay it was the it was the cat feces and the seagull poop and they're like yeah yeah it was always is who would have thunk I mean a lot of people right away you just think sand would get in their little paws and they wouldn't like it yeah. Um, for them, it's like an invitation so. to poo. <laughs> so where did you find Vincent and his twin? It's it's odd that the, the twin doesn't really seem to have a name or a personality. Uh, well, they, they live a few doors down. Okay. Um, and what they call it, it's called Churchill Estates. Okay. That sounds nice. It's a trailer park. Okay. <laughs> well, nothing wrong with that. No. But I, in fact, I, we built a roof deck. Mm-hmm. So you had, it, it kind of looms over the trailer park. <laughs> so you come out of the master bedroom, you go up a staircase, there's a, a deck on the roof and it kind of sticks out. So you kind of can lord over the trailer park. So it like blocks the sun for the trailer people. Yeah, well, two other trailers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <sighs> and so, and, and how did you meet Vincent? I mean, I know where he lives, but how did you, how did you guys meet? A domestic disturbance call. <laughs> What, what were the circumstances of that? Uh, his twin was fighting with him and could predict all his moves. It was crazy. <laughs> yeah, that's the problem. So they were in the front lawn and you'd see Vincent, you know, go to throw a punch and the other, the twin knew the punch was coming. Yeah. And so like they got nowhere, but it was like, it was almost like two hours. 
And then after that, they were both worn out. And I walked over. I said, you guys know how to kill seagulls? (laughs) (laughs) But how how is that? What's your role in the domestic disturbance call? Well, I had seen the police cars. Oh, I see. And so I went over there to make a video to see if I could get the police in trouble. (laughs) Sure. Because, you know, as you do, I was just sitting there making a video like, yeah, go for it. Yeah. yeah. What's your badge number? Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. And then I was just kind of taunting the police. Yep. Waiting for them to screw up. But super, they were super patient. That stinks. Things that would have made me go off that fly off the handle. They just, they just kind of looked at me and they just went about their business. Like, like what, like what's an example of something that would make you fly off the handle, but that they didn't really react to. Well, I, like I, I, was, I was like, mm, yeah, your wife was real good last <laughs> night. Copper. That's, like, if somebody said that to me, I'd be like, what are you talking about? What are you? And, and the cop just looked at me and kind of gave me, just ignored me. Like I was nothing. Oh man. Yeah. That would really bother me. Yeah. And, and what, what did you follow up with after that? I said, I, I said, did you say something officer? Cause I smell farts. <laughs> Not as good as the first. I was trying to imply that his breath smelled like farts. Mm-hmm. Didn't bug him at all. That would drive me crazy. Yeah. Well, we'll find a way to defund those guys eventually. Yeah. Nothing bad could come from that. Nope. Nope. Nothing but good ideas. Well, gosh. Um, Okay. And then just real quickly, just sort of closing up on the house. We've got the Seagull twins running around the house. You know, what are some other, I know you guys built some very, what you call sort of unique features that, you know, aren't necessarily found in most homes. You know, could you walk us through, as if you may, maybe you're a real estate agent, some of the cool features of the house, um, uh, you know, to get us a sense of what you guys built, how you put some creativity into it. Yeah. Um, so you basically, you come to the house, there's a little staircase that goes up to the house. Mm-hmm. So you walk up the staircase and then the agent's going to be like, quick, you know, jump to your left. Because <laughs> like right before the front door is like a trap door. Oh. So if you don't know that's coming, you're going to fall into the trap door. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, because that way, because we don't want people stealing Amazon packages from the front porch. And so the idea is, if you're an Amazon package thief, you're going to you know run up to get the package, and then boom, you're going to fall into the trap door. And then you know I come back later in the day, and I hear somebody down in the you know whimpering or, or calling for help, uh- and then I, I open it up. Yeah. And there's the Amazon driver. <laughs> uh, and, and, and what does he, what does he say? Well, he's furious because he, sure. he's now way behind on his deliveries. Yeah. Cause he's supposed to be there. He said, I've got so many prime people. What, what the hell is this? And I was like, well, this is to prevent package thieves. And he's like, well, here's your freaking package right here. And it's down on the ground. It was all broken. So I, well, I hope you. Got his like name and number so you could report him delivering broken packages. I made a video of him. <laughs> Did you say you, you banged his wife? Yep. <laughs> uh, well, you know, uh, Brian, uh, good luck uh, selling this thing. I, I know it's going to sell. And um, and finally, you can um, afford to eat out. Thank you, Jack. You're welcome, Brian. Hey, Brian. Hello, Jack. Oh, thank you. It's nice that you're going to take this show seriously, finally. It's about time you did. That's not what I said. Okay, perfect. Off to back to being Brian. That's great. Wouldn't you say that you're a travel expert? Yeah, I might be so far as to say this. 
Yeah, good. <laughs> good. It's really, really good. Now you you wrote a book, mm-hmm. uh, sort of like a, a travel how-to book, like you know, like all the tips and tricks. What can you remind me again so folks can get it on Amazon what the name of your travel book is? Yes, it's called Get Out of Here. <laughs> but yeah, usually there's some sort of like long, catchy subtitle, not catchy, but like sort of a long subtitle that explains what the book is. Yes. So get out of here, colon, a book about everything you need to know about traveling by a person who travels and knows what you need to know. <laughs> there, see, that's perfect. That's yeah. great. Subtitle. That's a, and there's a colon after that, though, for the sub subtitle. Yes. And what does that say again? I wrote this all myself. <laughs> and then there, what's the colon after that? Uh, not anybody else. <laughs> and the final colon is? Me. <laughs> well, that's great, Brian. It sounds, it sounds like a great book. And, it's on, and it is on sale at Amazon? It, yeah, it, it's like they alternate it. Uh, what does that mean? Well, when they're not selling Mein Kampf, they sell Get Out of Here. <laughs> what? Like uh, others who purchase this might like? Is that one of those like pairings? For whatever reason, they won't sell both of those books at the same time. That seems odd. Amazon has weird algorithms. Um, is there, other than travel, is there uh, any other sort of like messaging within the book? I uh, know it's, it's just about travel. It's travel tips. Hmm. For you and your pets. <laughs> you and your pets. Okay, great. Well, uh, most lots of Americans have pets, love them, don't want to leave them behind. So this is all, all the better. So why mm-hmm. don't we start right there? Mm-hmm. What are some good ways to um, to be able to travel with your pets? Uh, first, let's say on, on long road trips. What, what are some of your sort of like, you know, like little tips to help you manage pet life in the car? Well, uh, the lobster tank is is a must- for anyone who has a lobster mm-hmm. and they're traveling with it. Mm-hmm. So I come, I have some, I talk to a bunch of engineers. I have some very I have schematics you can use. You can build a lobster tank for your trunk wow. so that you can keep your lobster healthy in water mm-hmm. and everything as you're traveling. And then your luggage just goes in the back seat or on top of you. <laughs> okay. It seems like a, a bit of a sacrifice just to travel with your lobster. Well, I mean, a lot of us have lobsters as pets, I imagine. And, and, you know, we want to take those pets with us. Hey, what, remind me of your lobster's name. I don't have a lobster. Oh, that's a really weird thing for you to write about then. I was hoping I would start a trend to be honest. Okay. I want like, I was thinking people might be like, Oh, I, I don't have a lobster. I guess I should get one. Cause People travel with lobsters like it's a thing that people do, but it, apparently it hasn't caught on like I thought it would. So you, you're just interested in starting fads like um, like planking or transgenderism, like that, just like fad type of stuff. Yeah, I want this kind of just you know stuff like the it's the 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 thing du jour, as yeah. we say in the French business. Okay, I didn't know that was business. So, uh, well, that's interesting. Okay, so that's for lobsters. Uh, and what about you, know, you have a whole sort of like little section, like a subsection in there about just how to travel with kitties. Yes. So what what are some road trip kitty uh, pieces of advice that you have for for folks? Got to bring food, obviously. Good. A lot of us expect to find a disabled pheasant on the side of the road (laughs) and that we can release the cats and they'll just kind of do their thing and eat the pheasant. Right. But most of the birds I've found on the side of the road, they still have their wings and legs and they can fly off. Oh. Every once in a while there'll be roadkill. 
Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. that's the thing, you know, people, they want to pack all this food in their car, but that just takes up space. Yeah. Especially you got a lobster in the trunk, then you have no, you know, you don't have a lot of baggage room. So you got to plan ahead. <laughs> so what I've, what I've said in my book is that, you know, there's food to be found everywhere mm-hmm. on, on the road. So as you're driving along, you're going to see like, maybe it's a skunk, maybe it's a possum, maybe it's a deer, but you know, it's, it's there and it's edible and your cats aren't finicky. So you just pull right over Mm -hmm. and you let them have at it. But wouldn't, my fear would be uh, cats are so skittish. My my fear is that the the kitties would get, would get spooked and then run out into the middle of the highway. Yep. (laughs) That happens. But that's Uh why you want, you, you bring the whole litter. Oh, the whole litter of cats. Yeah, because, I mean, you know, you've got to accept that you might lose some and probably right. will. Mm-hmm. Now, there are different things you can do. You can try, you know, glue traps. You can try <laughs> string, you know, tie a string around them. Mm-hmm. You know, glue traps are kind of, that makes them more like a, an army, plastic army soldier. Like they just kind of, they're posed in a position. You can just plant them in front right. of the roadkill they can eat. Right. See, these are the tips we're looking. We just want simple tips like this. Yeah. What, what's the typical retention uh, for um, a litter of cats from beginning to end of a trip? What, what's the What are the stats on that? Uh, based on my personal experience, started with nine. Yep. Lost one in the woods. Yep. <laughs> lost two to a truck <laughs> that didn't get out of the way in time. Mm-hmm. Three, one went up a tree and I, you know, we, we stuck around for about an hour and then we we're like, we can't, we can't waste any more time. We got to get back on the road. Right. Uh, one, we, we probably is at the rest stop. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's just, we lost track of it. You know, I had to use the bathroom, came out, the litter seemed a little light. And then I realized we were, we were short one. Uh-huh. Uh, one, eight, the, the roadkill at eight was not. Good. <laughs> okay. Uh-huh. So it, it developed some gastrointestinal issues and, and uh, it uh, passed away as we mm-hmm. were driving along, which was good in some ways because then we didn't have to stop again for food. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So it sounds like it's um, in your experience as the travel expert that it's, it's, Almost, almost a 0% survival rate. Uh, we, I, Lucky made it. Oh, Lucky. Well, the, what a perfectly named cat. Yeah. So Lucky was the survivor. Oh, that's great. And how's Lucky doing now? Good. What, you, what, what why the pause? What, what, P-A-U-S-E. <laughs> I mean, we just got him back. Oh, we got him back from? Taxidermist. <laughs> what happened to Lucky. Um, I mean, that was a me thing. Oh gosh. <laughs> it usually is what happened. You know, so he survives the entire road trip and then we get him back to the house and I'm, <clears throat> I'm excited. And then I realized I don't have any roadkill at the house. So I need to run to the store and get some cat food. Yeah. And just jump in the car. I'm not thinking I back out of the driveway and lucky, not so lucky. <laughs> You slowly backing up in your own driveway ran over Lucky? No. I ran over my son, Charles, who was holding Lucky. (laughs) And the weight of the car on his leg caused Charles to squeeze. Mm -hmm. It was was an impulse. It's just just something your body's programmed to do. 
And, uh, you know, the, the kitty didn't make it. Man, how'd Charlie handle that? Squeeze, popping a cat. Oh, he's, he's, a, he's, he's a bunch of work right now. He's a mess. He's, he's yeah. screwed up. Mm -hmm. He's, he's got a PTKD. <laughs> <laughs> he's not handling it well. I'm sorry to hear that. I said, you know, maybe another road trip will clear this up, you know, kind of get your mind off of things. So we've been trying to get the cats to, to get it on again. So we have another litter. <laughs> That's it. Now we've talked about this in the past, um, but just really quickly, what's your sort of top, uh, top trick to get your cats to mate so that you can have a litter to take with you on a road trip. What, what's, what's your top kitty mating uh, trick? Cat aphrodisiacs. Sure. So they, you know, like a, you get a mouse lung. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And I mean, a cat with a mouse lung it gets really turned on. Yeah. And um, you know, some Barry White, mm -hmm. which is like the quintessential cat love music. Sure. And he's got an actual song that a lot of people don't know, but it's in his song catalog. Cats be doing it. Oh, oh I did not. I don't know that one. Yeah. And it's a good one. And it's got a beautiful melody to it. And uh, it'll get the cat in the mood. Do you remember the, like, what's the hook of the song? Uh, little kitty, you so pretty want to do meow on you. <laughs> but sung in Barry White's sultry. Right. With his beautiful voice. Little kitty, you so pretty want to do meow on you. <laughs> it's, that's really strange when you hear it. That's really strange. Well, okay. Um, you know, a couple other uh, quick, um, travel tips for the summer tis the season. Yeah. You know, what is, uh, you, you have um, a really good way to, to sort of some cost cutting measures for, uh, for a vacation. Yep. Uh, you know, wh what are some of your, you know, top two or three tricks for saving money on the tour, on the, on the, uh, on the, on the ride? Well, the biggest expense for most people is the hotel. Yeah, of course. And so, you know, what you do is, um, you go to the ER. <laughs> okay. You claim you have heart issues. <laughs> they get you right in. Mm -hmm. You get a bed, and they're fairly slow. They're gonna, you know, you're gonna be there for hours, and that's your chance to take a power nap in a fairly comfortable bed. Really damn fine idea. And then you clear out of there uh, before they even do the paperwork, and you're on your own. You're 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 ready to go. Fantastic. Thank that's you. a great tip. Yeah. Well, you, I mean, I, I save a fortune on hotel rooms. That's really great. Uh, and then how do you save on, uh, on food? Cause that's the other big expense, right? Is, you know, you're traveling. So you're sort of forced to eat out for every meal. Yeah. Well, I basically, I'll go wherever town I go to, I buy a new local newspaper, mm -hmm. go right to the obituaries mm -hmm. <laughs> and you know, you'll see a funeral, you see the service, service and reception. That's mm -hmm. the magic word reception. You know, I don't even go to the service. I just go straight to the reception. Right. Um, and then, you know, there's, depending on the person, some, you know, the spreads can vary. They can be delicious. They can go cheap sometimes, you know, it just, mm -hmm. it really depends. Uh, what you want to do is you look for somebody with a longer bio. Okay. Which means they might be more accomplished and have more, have like a better buffet. <laughs> So the, the more accomplished the person, the better the, the food score. Yeah. So that's, so that's where I look, I'll usually target the longest obituary, mm -hmm. go to that reception and then, you know, uh, get my fill. You know, you can 
pack some stuff. I, I, you know, don't hesitate to throw a few sandwiches in a bag or whatever. Sure. Uh, and then get on your way. And the good thing is people are always dying. That is good. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's, uh, you know, ne- never ending supply. I think it's, that's a great idea. You know, finally, Brian, um, you know, a lot of, a lot of couples will take off, you know, maybe they have the kids with them. Maybe they don't, but they, they want to, you know, maybe they want to take a little um, trip and, and ignite the spark there. And there were love for love time. Mm. Uh, what's your sort of top travel um, put, besides putting on some Barry white cat <laughs> cat doing it music Mm -hmm. what are some uh, what are some tips you have for for doing it um doing it right uh, on the road for for getting romantic yeah romantic time you know like on like on valentine's day that day of the year that your wife has to do it with you like like that day well we don't celebrate valentine's day in our house i know you don't don't believe in it i know poor guy had his head hacked off (laughs) yes i know we did a sketch about it um, for loving on the road. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, what's fun is to do like a reenactment. Oh, like I love historical reenactments, like, you know, going down to Gettysburg or whatever. Well, it's different. It's more of like, so my wife will get out of the car and stand on the corner and then I'll loop around the block. <laughs> and then I roll down my window and she kind of uh-huh. leans in and she'll be chewing gum. She threw a stick of mm-hmm. gum in her mouth and she's chewing her gum and she's like, yeah. I'm like, uh, what do you got? She's like, what do you got? I'm like, I don't know, a hundred. And she hops in. Uh-huh. And then uh, my other friend likes to role play. Uh-huh. So then he cuts me off with his car and gets out and arrests me for trafficking. <laughs> That's a really weird. And, and how does Charles and his brothers uh, feel about this role play? Your kids. Oh, my. Uh, well, I mean, they're, you know, they're in the backseat. You know, then. My other friend likes to role play child services. And so he takes them out and puts them in his car and says, you're going to be fine. We're going to take you to a foster family. And then my friend, Steve Foster, he's actually, he likes to role play. Uh, Yeah. So it's a big thing. It's a big, you know, it's pretty much, it's a, there's a lot going on. Kids have a hard time processing it. Yeah. That sounds like a real community event. You know, it's, it's, you do it once a year, Mm -hmm. get it out of your system. My friend likes to role play publishing a newspaper with the crime blotter. And so, you know, there's my (laughs) picture in the crime blotter for soliciting prostitution. It's humiliating. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Man, I gotta love historical recreations. I do. It's, it's fun. It's just, you know, it's, it, it gets rid of the monotony. Well, Brian, uh, it sure does. And I, I thank you for getting rid of the monotony on this episode. That was a great of you to share. Make sure to check out Brian's book. Thank you for your service, Jack. Thank you for yours, Brian. Jack. Brian. So, you know, I'm always looking for ways for this podcast to make some cash. You really are. And I found uh, some publishing companies. They audiobooks are a thing. You know that. Yeah, of course I do. People love to listen to audiobooks. They're in a car, on a plane. They want to hear a book. They don't want to read a book and they need people to read voices. So I have friends in the publishing business and uh, they're always looking for voices. They like your voice because it's kind of like an everyman kind of voice. Yeah, thank I'm, you. I'm too polished and professional. Uh, and plus I have the stigma of having voiced books for Glenn Beck. They, I can't get hired, Jack. Yeah. I did Glenn Beck audiobooks and now nobody will hire me. <laughs> I respect that decision. Uh, I'm sending you uh, this uh, chapter. Okay. 
Uh, this is a it's a children's book. Oh yay! I'm, I have two children and another one on the way, so I'm like the perfect guy this, for this. This is perfect. So this is a children's book. They're making a children's audio book about it, and it's about a horse named Clip Clop. Oh my god! <laughs> okay, I all right. I'll read about Clip Clop. And uh, yeah, so this is you know this is potentially you get this book deal. You'll be reading the book about Clip Clop. Okay, pony. <laughs> The thing is, the publishers don't want you to laugh. You, you know that. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they want to straight read. This, think of this like an audition. You're reading this book. Okay. You know, you got to be professional. You got to show them you can get through this book without any kind of laughing or laugh or laughter or whatever you call that word. And, sure. and you know, you just, you know, you want to be professional. Okay. So let me, can I read it ahead of time? No. Because otherwise I might laugh. No, because you need to go soon. I do, I do need to go see yeah. my wife and family have already left. Yeah. Okay, fine. Yeah. Fine. I'm going to read it. Just let's, let's get it done. Clip clop. Children's I've book. just opened it. I have never read this. All right. Children's book, clip clop. Please tell me, please tell me when to start. Take it away. Okay. Clip clop. Once upon a time in a beautiful meadow, there lived a cheerful pony named clip clop. He had a shiny caramel colored coat and a heart full of dreams. <laughs> However, Clip Clop had a unique feature that made him face some challenges. He had a long three-foot penis. <laughs> Never going to make it through this. Wow. Clip Clop's long appendage often got in his way. It made walking through narrow paths tricky, and sometimes it caused him to trip over his own feet. The other animals in the meadow would giggle and point, which made Clip Clop feel sad. But Clip Clop was determined not to let his long penis define him. He discovered that he could use it to help others. When the birds needed a perch, Clip Clop's penis became a safe spot for them to rest. When the rabbits needed shade, Clip Clop's penis provided them with a shelter. His unique feature turned out to be a gift. The other animals soon realized Clip Clop's kind heart and how helpful he could be. They started appreciating him for who he was. Clip Clop's long penis became a symbol of friendship and unity in the meadow. From that day forward, Clip Clop faced his challenges with a smile. He knew that being different wasn't something to be ashamed of. It was something to embrace and to use to bring joy to others. And so Clip Clop continued to trot through the meadow, proud of his long three-foot penis, spreading happiness and friendship wherever he went. Mm. Mm, well, sugar. You know, you used to sing a song about Clip Clop back in the day when we had a show together. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, it sort of reminds me of that song. Huh. Forgot about that. <laughs> I didn't. That's why I started laughing as soon as I saw Clip Clop. Oh, bummer. Uh, well, that's okay. We've got another potential audiobook for you. I'm sorry to let you down. Yes. Yeah. All right. Send it to me. I'm, let I, me down. I need to get this right now. I right. need to get it right now. All right, I'm sending it to you now. Okay. Just now in my headphones now, I don't know how we have this set up, but I actually hear the whooshing sound, but it used to be everybody could hear it. And now just me hears it. Sad. Well, see, I, I love the whooshing sound because it, cool. it shows that, that it's, you really are just sending this to me. For, it's legit. It is legit. Okay. Uh, I have just received it. Right. I have just opened the file. I have never right. read what I'm about this to read. This is a new book. It's called Understanding the Stock Market by Ibram X. Kendi. Take it away, <laughs> okay. sir. Okay, here, here we go. 
The stock market embodies a complex interplay of power dynamics and systemic inequalities, perpetuating a capitalist structure that privileges the few while marginalizing the many. It functions as a manifestation of oppressive systems, reflecting and exacerbating the wealth disparity prevalent in our society. This makes sense as white people white people made this a oh, white <laughs> This makes sense as white people made the stock market. That's why stocks are akin to instruments of financial privilege, serving as tools for the perpetuation of economic inequality. The dominant narratives and structures of the stock market are rooted in a heteronormative, patriarchal, and ableist paradigm that further entrenches marginalization and exclusion. Damn those white people! (laughs) The profit-driven ethos of the stock market disregards the impacts on marginalized communities and ecosystems, reinforcing the oppressive systems that underpin our society. That's why, when you see white people, you should say, cut that out to them! The fluctuations and speculative nature of the market can lead to economic uh, precarity and heightened vulnerability for historically marginalized groups, Mm -hmm. perpetuating cycles of poverty and exclusion. Like that time I bought stock in a typewriter company. Why did nobody tell me that in 2022 typewriters were bad investments? Because of systemic racism. That can be the only answer. In order to address these systemic injustices, a transformative approach is necessary. First, I will be racist to white people because I want to challenge the dominant power structures. And to ensure equitable wealth distribution, race and gender should be a factor in all trades. So if you want to sell 100 shares of Tesla, 50 of the proceeds of those shares should go to historically marginalized communities, LGBTQIA plus individuals, me... (laughs) or members of the BIPOC community, which means black and indigenous people of color and not Asians because they're too good at math. (laughs) Anyway, fork it over, honkies. (laughs) Ah, new book by Ibram X. Kendi. I definitely, I mean, it's it's clearly written by him. It's definitely in his voice. Yeah, 100%. But you're not going to be reading it in your voice because you (sighs) were not professional enough. And it's, it's disappointing to me, but it's okay. I, you know what? I feel like I shouldn't be reading that book. Like I, I like, I feel like that's a good miss for me. You know what? I'm. It's okay because I'm a huge not uh, Ibram X Kendi fan. And when yeah. when his history teacher who wanted to challenge the paradigm, I believe was his other word. Uh, sure. No, sorry, challenge the narrative. Uh, proposed added this book to the curriculum. I made sure to buy it used so that he didn't get more royalties. Because yeah. I think, and it's just me, just being silly old me. I think he's a charlatan. Huh. A big old charlatan. All right. Well, that's okay. It's oh okay. Oh my gosh. Okay. It's okay. We have a third potential, third potential audio book for you to read. And he ended that chapter, Fork It Over Honkies. Fork It Over Honkies. Yeah. <laughs> it's and I, you know, I, I heard- the kindest word. I heard the publisher was like, you shouldn't do that. He's like, no, no, I feel good. I feel like it's okay. And people from Brooklyn will defend it. But that's fine. Uh, you know, we've got a third book. Okay. All right. Okay. And this has a lot of potential. All right. It's, uh, let's send it to I'm me. I'm sending you the ogre's child. Ooh. Yeah. Sounds like it might be like a fantasy, sci-fi fantasy type thing. Okay. Yeah. I, I, I like that genre. This is probably, this is probably more of a fit for yes. me than the Game um, of Thrones, the Witcher one. kind of stuff. Yeah. Okay. I just got right. it. I am uh, opening Take, it up. I have never read this read before. Just read it now. 
Just get it out okay. there in the ecosystem. The ogre's child. Yes. <clears throat> it was winter and the house was as quiet as a crypt. With her husband Jack and children Eden and Jack Jr. sound asleep, Betsy crept, <laughs> Betsy crept down the stairs of her Connecticut home and made her way in the darkness toward the back door. She tiptoed past her... <laughs> <laughs> she tiptoed past her nasty, weasel-eyed, sniveling Chihuahua Carson so as not to wake him up. Quietly, she unlocked the deadbolt and opened the back door. Once outside, she closed it and made her way across the lawn and into the woods. She knew the path well. Every full moon, she would make the same journey to find the ogre's lair and seduce him with her boobies. <laughs> She wanted nothing more than to have a mixed-race ogre-human baby, even though ogre babies burned through diapers at an alarming rate. She didn't care. She knew her dopey husband would help change the diapers, too, because he would foolishly think the ogre baby was his. Betsy went to the well and called down into it. Mr. Ogre, she said, it's me, Betsy. I want you to come see my boobies and do that thing where you put an ogre bum in... <laughs> Where you put an ogre bun in my oven, which is a euphemism for ogre up my vagina. <laughs> okay. There was a grumble and a hiss, and slowly the ogre emerged from the well. He seemed to be in a foul mood, as ogres usually are. Oh, you again, said the ogre. He resented being fetishized by Betsy, and even though she might be a bit racist, but her boobies weren't green for a change, so he was quite intrigued. He stared and adjusted his ogre boxers. Betsy did her booby dance, which is a dance that she worked on when she when she had told her ding-dong husband that she was busy doing interior design. The reality was that she was doing booby dance lessons with Flavio, an illegal immigrant from Guatemala. No human is illegal, except for the ones that break laws. The dance worked, and the ogre picked up Betsy and went full Ron Jeremy on her for a solid 28 minutes. All the while, her fart-faced husband Jack was home asleep, unaware that his darling wife was off doing the equivalent of Fight Club, but for humps. <laughs> Ooh, yeah, screamed the ogre as he ogre-gasped. <laughs> he put Betsy down and patted her on the head. Okay, there you go, he said as he started to climb back down the well. Thank you so much, Mr. Ogre, said Betsy. All her booby dance lessons with Flavio, the illegal immigrant, had finally paid off. Oh, by the way, said the ogre, it's a girl. That's the whole thing? Yeah, that's the whole oh, thing. That's good. That's, it's it's interesting. I read that. It sounds interesting. I don't know. The ogre's I don't know child. If, I, it's, you know, it's so weird because I, I know you're sort of supposed to be able to see yourself in the characters of good fiction sometimes, yeah. but like, I really feel like that is describing my wife, Betsy, my children, Jack and Eden, uh, my dog, uh, Carson, the weird eyed Chihuahua and, um, and my pregnant, uh, uh, girl fetus. Yeah. But if you think about it, the world is like, there's so many coincidences all the time. It's just not, it just, you know, it happens. I would, I wouldn't read too much into things. <sighs> I don't know. I'm. I mean, it, we live in Connecticut. The story is set in Connecticut. Oh, yeah, that's a, that's. Fa I mean, that's a that's crazy. I mean, <sighs> Betsy always creeps out every full moon. Yeah, comes home stinking like ogre. <laughs> yeah, and they do spill. Yeah, I guess. I guess, like you said, it's just a coincidence, but it doesn't feel good. No, but it doesn't feel good to to not get sponsors. It's sad. 
Yeah, well, I'm sorry about that. That one is difficult for me to read. No, I mean, because you have a hard time reading, I think is what it is. But it's, um... yeah, uh, You know, there were a lot of tough words this week thrown at me that I was able to mostly ace for having read them cold and performatively. So but, let's uh, give me a little. Uh, you did stumble on ogregasm. <laughs> I, I did well. Listen back. I think I did well on ogregasm. Which is something I don't want to think about. Yeah, I don't either. Check face. That's very upsetting. Sad. Well, Brian, this uh, brings to close another, um, you know, we always end on a down note of me failing. It's very weird. It is funny. (laughs) Uh, I suppose so. Well, uh, uh, you know, Brian, is there anything you want to tell people to do? Stay safe. That's great. Stay safe. Just say that whenever you don't know what to say, just say stay safe. And have your children spayed and neutered. That's right. Oh, like and Bob Barker, I was just to say. Follow us and review us. No, uh, uh. Yeah, whatever. Questionable Material with Jack and Brian. Subscribe on any podcast platform. Visit us at qmpodcast.com.